We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Champions League draw and have immediately been drawn back into the Europa League. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. It's a Europa League draw in the Champions League. We brought all our friends with us. We're putting the band back together. We have Sevilla, an away day that I am told Clive is already trying to cash in favors to be at. We have drawn uh, Lens, Lens, and PSV, um, who have been, it is fair to say, Kind of a kryptonite for us, so score to settle there, perhaps, a bit. But uh, it is exciting. It is exciting to be part of the draw again. And I just want to say, as the kids say, are you familiar with this? The kids say F in the chat to pay respects. Have you ever heard that? Like, sometimes it's an online culture. F in the chat to pay respects for someone. Well, I want to say group F in the chat to pay respects for Newcastle United's Champions League experience as they will face uh, a bevy of very, very good teams, including uh, PSG Dortmund and AC Milan. So, going to be a lot of fun games there. I, for one, am excited to see how Kylian Mbappe handles the challenge of Dan Byrne. You know, that's what the Champions League is all about, my friends. Eddie and Kedia called up to the England team, as we always know he would be. Clive and I, in particular, uh, were riding that train for a long time. Paul, on the other hand, we'll have to get his thoughts on that. And <laughs> the visit of one Manchester United to Arsenal this weekend means that we have got a lot for you, my friends. We did both half rewatches on Patreon. Both halves. And we did a little bit aside from that. It was brilliant, um, if I do say so myself. Both halves. So I think you need to come aboard the Patreon train. There's a lot more going to be there. We're going to be doing a deadline day episode tomorrow. And given, I mean, that might be four hours long with all the business we've got lined up. There's so much happening. I haven't even introduced anybody yet, and I'm not going to, and I'll tell you why. The Football Content Awards are coming back. Don't worry, these are the ones Andrew and, and James and the Arscast don't go for. They go for bigger ones. But this humble podcast would love would love to be nominated. Look, they went to a new system. They, you, you broke the system. You, listener, you broke it. What do I mean by that? You voted for us so effectively and efficiently in winning it for us a couple seasons ago that they went to a split of 50% fan vote and 50% judges vote judges i'll put it in air, air quotes but you know what we still want to make it onto the podium and we would love it if you would help us get there so you can go to their website just look up football content awards um and vote there you can copy and paste some text and post it on twitter or x whichever uh you're currently using or you can just 
tag us at Arsenal Vision Podcast on their Instagram post. I'm going to put all of that in the description to this episode. And if you'd like to do it, we, we'd appreciate it. If you don't want to do it, as I always say, we absolutely love you nonetheless because you are absolutely brilliant and we couldn't be luckier to have you as part of this community uh, that we all share together. And here with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! You're in flying form. I've had the coffee. I'm See, normally we have to do this at like 7 a.m. our time. I am not a morning person. It is now the middle of the day, and I am flying. And how can you not be flying after hearing the Champions League music? The Champions League music coming back, being associated with Arsenal, as it should be. Clive, let's get stuck into this right away. Sevilla, Lens, and PSV. Um, you know, I, it's funny. If you're Newcastle... As sad as you might be about your draw, you have some historic clubs that'll be coming to St. James's Park. It'll be it'll be fun. If you're Arsenal, it all feels a bit Europa League, but we want to go far in this thing, and I will take it feeling a bit Europa League if it means we can get through. What's your appraisal of our Champions League group draw? Yeah, it's um, fantastic. You think about the trips, right? So I've been to Lens many years ago, actually. <laughs> I just just turned up, didn't get into the ground, ended up watching it in a pub, in a bar. <laughs> so, um, but for those who went, they know what I'm talking about. Those trips across the phrase are great <laughs> with 24 cans of Stella under your arm. So I did mm-hmm. that one. And then um, I've never been to Seville and, um, or Eindhoven. So it should be interesting. But Seville, like you said, I've already reached out. So you're going to, people <laughs> who are listening, <laughs> I've already reached out for tickets, even though the fix has not been announced. <laughs> Right, so um, because that would be great, you know, the weather there is fantastic, and it's a great place to to visit. So even though it's, it feels a bit Europa League, as soon as that music starts, and soon it's all about what's at stake, you know. And um, when you hear that the Champions League finals, June the first, day before my birthday, at Wembley, I'm thinking, mate, wouldn't that be just fantastic? Wouldn't it be great? We never lose at Wembley. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? And so, yeah, for us just to be in it and to get back to the top table, but most important thing, I, I say this, not trying to dismiss what we just all experienced, but most important thing is we're back there next year. That's the most important thing. And this is just a, this is how we are now. That's because we, mm. we, took it, we took it for granted before. It's been six years not doing this again. Not do this again. No, no more that those crap Europa League venues, right? This, this, we'll not do this again. <laughs> he says, having drawn all the Europa League venues we've recently <laughs> been going to. Yeah, yeah, we know what I mean, though. You know, I do, and, I do. you know, where, where's the final? I forgot. It's the only final I've not been to in recent history. The Europa League final we lost to Chelsea. Where was it again? Um, Baku. Oh, Baku. Baku. Yeah, Baku. Thanks, Baku. Paul. Azerbaijan. Mate, just what the what the hell's going on there? Right. So, um, don't ask Henrik Mkhitaryan about that final. Yeah, that's just rubbish. You know, that's just, I, I didn't go. And I feel ashamed because I've been to all the finals, but that no chance. Not going there. I don't nothing to do with mm. those venues anymore. Okay, well, uh, Cl- Clive, I appreciate that. I don't want to shut Paul out. So, Paul, what's what's your take on us drawing Brentford in the League Cup? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right no i'm kidding let's talk about something more important how many yeah. will harry kane put past manchester united it, it, at the Allianz? no what what, yeah. what do you what do you think champions league we're back baby we're back we are back now two zero is the most dangerous lead um playing a bunch of europa league uh former uh compadres could be the most dangerous group. But look, it's a great draw. You, you can't complain about the draw. What we do about it on our side is down to us. We, and let's be honest, we've had some, we played some teams in Europa League and 
and found them to be quite tricky. So mm. if you don't show up, like fully show up, you can get yourself in a bit of a pickle. But with a group stage, uh, two teams going through, look, uh, what's not to, to like about that, that microphone? Every time you turn to your screen, your, your, your audio is worse. So you, no, no, okay. no, 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 don't, don't, no, no, put it back, put it back, put it, yeah. I will make love to my microphone no, from here on no. in. Don't do that. Just continue <laughs> to face your microphone. That's all I'm asking. Face my, yes, okay. Okay, yeah. Paul has legendary and legendarily hilarious <laughs> microphone challenges, including being on stage at Union Chapel trying to speak to a thousand assembled people without the use of the microphone, which was an interesting approach to, to that particular It seemed occasion. like cheating. It seemed like making it too easy. Let me, let me ask you just quickly, Paul, like when you look at the Champions League, what it means to be back, is there yeah. a part of you... And the answer to this to me is pretty obvious, straightforward, but I'll ask, is there a part of you that gets jealous at like what Newcastle is drawing, you know, like Dortmund and Milan and PSG and, you know, these, these, these historic clubs and historic venues every night feeling like an occasion, or are you perfectly happy to have, you know, uh, let's, let's be, let's call it what it is a little bit more of a middling group with maybe less exciting fixtures, but ones that we feel we can maybe get, get through. Yeah, well, if we won all our games, no matter who we played, then I would love to have these historic <laughs> fixtures mm. at great grounds. But we've just ex experienced what losing to Fulham, or sorry, it wasn't yeah. even a loss. You see what I mean? We lost 2-2. Two -two. Draw, drawing, yeah, we lost 2-2 two -two with Fulham, and it, like, it just shits on three, of you, three days out of your week, uh, bare minimum. So I'm all about the winning. Mm -hmm. So the worse they are, the less historic I don't mind if it's in the backyard, you know, outside the back of my house. I don't mind if it's that unhistoric. It's all about the winning, baby. Um, so if we can win a bunch of these games, get into a good spot for the next round, we can play some histo someone historic in the round of, what is it, 32 these days. Um, and I guess we should remember that, as Clive talked about, it's all about getting into this competition. It's all about the Premier League and finding that balance. And if if playing... If not playing, you know, Real Madrid or whoever in the group stage means you have a little more sanguinity about your selections. Not that you'll change a, a play a weaker team, but little less pressure to do crazy things and play players who maybe aren't ready or can't play in two competitions in the same week that week. Um, I think that's all healthy. And it's all about the second half of the season. You know, I'm worried about future Paul. And future Paul's worried about the second half of the season. So if we can get into the later rounds of this, be strong for the Premier League. Next year is five, uh, the top five competition, not the f top four trophy, right? Yeah. Uh, so this, all, to Clyde's point, this this is the start of something beautiful. Yeah, and checking in with Sevilla, preseason they lost to something called Hansa. They mm -hmm. also lost to something called FC. Magdeburg. Um, but you say that's preseason. That doesn't matter, Elliot. Well, here are their three results in uh, La Liga so far. They lost to Valencia at home. They lost to Girona at home. And they lost to Alaves away 4-3. So <laughs> they are not off to a flying start. Uh, PSV, you know, I mean, they are fourth place in Eredivisie right now, whatever that means at the moment. And Lons, I think, is 16th. In, in Ligue 1 right now, again, still very, very early. None of that matters, but gives you a sense of the opportunity we have to get through mm -hmm. there. Clive, we'll finish up our Champions League segment with me asking you, 
what you want to see from the group stage and then from the Champions League. I mean, look, what, what do you want to see? You want to see us go to Wembley and win it at Wembley, obviously. I think getting out of the group stage is a fair expectation, especially with what we've been drawn. Once upon a time under Arsene Wenger, when we were making it every season, this would have been a group that we would have already been planning to be through, probably with a decent amount of rotation. I don't think it works that way anymore. It just doesn't. But what's your expectation for how we should handle this group and uh, how we should do in this group and maybe in the Champions League generally? Yeah, funny enough, I watched PSV last night uh, versus Rangers, and um, they were quite good, actually. Um, but Rangers weren't very good. Um, they had a forward, they had a Moroccan <laughs> forward up front called Saibari or something like that, and he was, he was really, really good. A player to watch. <laughs> I'm hoping someone buys him. <laughs> That'll be good. Someone buys him before. Now they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, um, kind of like Fulham selling Paulinho right before playing Manchester City, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, like I say, it's all about um, it's all about our sporting reputation. Our sporting reputation in Europe is not as good as it should be. For the club that we are, we are one of the three historic, storied clubs in this country, and our European record compared to Manchester United and Liverpool's is does not compare. So it's time for us, you know, we we competed, but we didn't really compete one final Champions League. And we need to get back to that top table, that top six in Europe level, where people look at us in a, in a different light. And we and we lost that for a while, but we're, we're back now. So the most important thing is we reestablish our sporting reputation. I think within the country, shall we say, and globally for the global fans, we've established a play style and a way of playing with a group of young players younger squad in the league, potentially, and a young manager, the young executives. It's all new and clean and new relationships and new unity until we draw 2-2 two, two at <laughs> New unity. And then, so we want to continue that and broaden that across Europe. So it's going to be so interesting to see how we absorb this now compared to how we used to when I, for one, used to um and ah if I go and see a Bayern Munich at home game. I thought I'd go next year. Do you know what I mean? And that's where, that's where we got to. It's a little bit complacent. So... I'm going to make sure I go to all these games where possible and enjoy it. I do think it would be nice to have a big a big venue to go to. But when that last 16 mm. draw comes out and we're in it, and if we're in the last eight comes out, none of us will be sleeping the night before that game. you know. And it's going to be, if we get there, then we'll realise the size and dimension of this tournament. And that's, I think that would be really, really special for all the people listening to this podcast right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, I think we can move on from the champions league for now. I don't think the fixtures are out yet. I'll be curious to see where they fall. I'm sure people already know the champions league dates, Paul. Uh, I don't know anything on the fixtures, but like, I do think there's an interesting, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I do think there's something interesting to say on the champions league in that we're going to have this interesting conundrum, uh, a, a riddle wrapped in a conundrum wrapped in bacon of like, there are going to be players who need, yeah, <laughs> pretty much anything is including Leandro Trossard wrapped in bacon. Uh, Clive, Clive looks, no, you're good, looks you're good, out there. Okay. So I'm um, noticing that when I talk, I'm hearing me back in your mic and that doesn't usually happen. So I don't know yeah. if maybe that's I'm noticing when you talk to that, I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that's probably the problem with the podcast. Keep going, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Arteta's going to have a few guys who need to play 
in the other competition, which is Champions League, and not to not at a lower level. It's just he's going to have to rotate early on. And that just changes things because you immediately think, okay, well, we play Riot goalkeeper. We'll play Trossard, uh, where exactly? Left eight. He hasn't really played there. Do we play him as striker? Uh, but Gabriel Jesus would become, do we play him on the left wing? And you start getting into this thing where you still put out a strong team and the team doesn't play at the level it should. So it's going to be very tricky because you'll have a team that's basically as good as the first team, but they won't be the guys right in the spots all the time. And we've seen that in Europa League. You can put out a, a really good Europa League team and they suck. Yeah, and you say, and everybody debates afterwards. Well, they weren't. It wasn't like they weren't a good team. So, what's our excuse for sucking? Well, the the excuse is everybody's in a slightly different position because you're making some accommodations, and there were five or six or seven guys who know each other, play with each other, are are topish level, but everybody's in a slightly different spot. So that is the challenge for Mikel Arteta. Uh, he's going to put out a super strong team, but it'll be different. And there'll be unfamiliar pairings, uh, and maybe a Trossard playing at a left eight instead of his favorite, whatever his favorite might be. Yeah, I think some rotation for Champions League is to be expected. Maybe not in the away games, but like right now, I, we're not a team that has a set first eleven like maybe we have in the past. So I, it may be rotation. It may just be other players' chances to play. You know, I mean, we may need to stop thinking of it in terms of resting players, and more to think of it that. We have a bigger group of players who play, and some of them are going to play in Champions League games, and some are going to play in Premier League games. Except um, that the first thing we want to do is iron out our first 11 in the Premier League. So, like, to your point, there's going to be a lot of changing going on, and mm-hmm. we're going to, it's got, like, I can see Clive shaking his head. So now I'm going to try and straighten up my point before he makes the big point. But, like, if you don't even know your good first 11 at the moment, and we're still sorting that out. Um, variations on a theme, yes, we shouldn't get caught up on a first 11, but we should find something that really works. And now we've got this Champions League thing, which will have some variety. So I think there's some, you know, it's not going to be easy for Arteta to get this balance right, even though he has a a good bunch of good players. Clive? Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, um, we were querying, we went heavy on the game last week. We had some heavy emotional feelings. And we were obviously then there's a critique over certain players, and people were concerned about starting 11s and systems and shapes. And when you see the next few fixtures, and you see the fact that we've got a Champions League fixture before Spurs and a Champions League fixture before City at home, then when that happens, I promise you, you'll start to love more of the players because the same 11 players can't go through all of these games. So while you're digging out a few people, realize that we're going to be playing every three days some top, top level games. You know, top, top level games. When I say you, not you guys, but you know, it's, um, it's, we have to look at this differently. And I know I keep saying it, it sounds boring, but we have to look at this league season differently. We're, we're talking about these games really matter. You know, the Europa League games last year, we always knew we could catch up in the group stage. And then when it got to the, when he got to the later stage, we thought, did we did we even care? We cared more about the injuries, okay, sporting this, than we cared about the result. You know, so, mm-hmm. but this stuff really matters. The world will be watching if we're in a Champions League last 16 game. The whole world. Right, so, 
this is when you're going to need your players. You're going to need people to start and finish games to different systems, different formations, different energy levels. And so we, we're going to need all this group. In fact, I think we're short still. You know, with the, with the proposed exits, we're definitely, for me, I think we're short defensively. So it's going to be so interesting to see how once we wake up to the season that's ahead of us, I think then we may be neuralize Elliot some of the last season's pictures <laughs> in our mind and then we'll look yeah. at this season on its merits which is a different year yeah and and realistically I think what the Champions League gives you an ability to do is compare how you think about yourself with what you really are because the the, the Premier League is the strongest league in the world now and nobody's questioning that it's gone far beyond anything anyone else can do. You look at some of the players going to places like Forest and stuff, and the, the pull in the Premier League is just outrageous. Um, the, the Champions League gives us a chance now to validate what we think, because frankly, we should be getting out of that group. And aside from maybe three or four teams on the continent, we should be getting past whoever we draw in the round of 16, and we should be going deep in this competition, I think, to validate what we think we are. I mean, if we think we are the second best or first best team in the Premier League, then we should think we are as good as any team in Europe. Now, Europe is a different kind of competition, and we haven't necessarily performed the way we'd like to in that competition. But as Clive rightly points out, has it been the priority? It will be a priority this season, and we'll get to see how we measure up. And I'm really excited for that, which I'll just make the ancillary point. I'm much less excited about going to Brentford in the League Cup, and that can do one as far as I'm concerned. You know, I got in this debate with people on social media who said, we, sh- we shouldn't be thumbing our nose at any cup. To be fair, sure. Like, would I take it? Sure. But I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would trade places with Manchester United last season, would trade our season we had last season for United's. And they won the League Cup, and we wouldn't take that season. So I guess what I'm saying is winning the League Cup would be fun, but if we don't achieve our other goals, it won't fix that. So that one's kind of a little secondary for me. Let's do this, though. Uh, the, the deadline day is tomorrow. We'll have something over on Patreon after the deadline wraps up. Obviously, we can't do that now, but we can get into a little bit of what seems to be going on. And, Paul, I think the biggest focus is on the defense. Now, I think there's been some sloppy analysis of how, where we are defensively because Party is playing right back right now. You may not like it, but he is which certainly means that Rice will probably play some left back at some point if we decide to flip that and invert from the other side. We have Gabriel still, let's just say he's here for now, and Saliba. We have White and Tomiyasu, who will both play, can both play as a right back. We have Zinchenko and Kivior and Tomiyasu, who both can play as a left back. And so, you know, all of the, it's kind of a mushy group because if someone was missing from center back, you'd probably say Ben White would be the first choice to replace him. And then you just slot Party in it right back or Tomiyasu in it right back. And if, you know, if Saliba's out, maybe you play Gabriel instead. So I don't think we're as thin there as people suggest. It's just that people we start are actually options to be backups. Similarly, like up front, by the way, where I think Gabriel Jesus would be my first choice to replace Sack if he was out, right? So it's a little mix and match because you're you're using starters as backups. And that's that's not necessarily the depth we want. But do you think... The situation in defense is as dire as some present. Like, do we have to get a defender in, in your mind, before the window closes, Paul? Uh, Clive is nodding. So, yes, I do think we have to get a defender in. But I don't really. I mean, um, <clears throat> does the left-back situation, that's that's the real thing. What are our answers? What are our options? One, two, and three at left-back. Um, but outside of that, as long as we're keeping Gabrielle 
for left center back. Mm. The guy plays every game when we play him. And <laughs> except when he doesn't play the first three of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if we have White to cover Saliba, we're good there. And White is never injured, despite the fact that Clive is always looking nervously at what Ben White has bandaged while he's playing. <laughs> but he's never injured. Tommy's always injured, but he doesn't have to play very much. Um, and Zinchenko. So it's really, you know, we got Kivior, and he should be able to do a job, as should Tommy, uh, over on the left-back side of things. But it's really the left-back where I think the fall-off is biggest when you don't have your starter, or after 70 minutes when you want to get Zinchenko off because you want a bit more surety over there. And Kivior has got to step up defensively there. Um, so... You know, if they have the money and they want to get a guy to fill into the timber spot as a, you know, I know he's a right back, but to me, he's a left back because he's been brilliant there. And that's all I've really seen him do there. Uh, If we need to fill somebody in for 12 months there and we got the money, that's fantastic. But is that what clubs really do? They go and splash a bunch of, like, I just don't think that's happening. So as long as we're not selling Gabriel to uh, the Saudi league, I I think we're done. Mm. And we have as you said we got party uh, I know we've all gone off him as a as a right back well we got party for a right back option we got Declan Rice who can fill in for a period in in the back line if we're keeping if we're not selling party and we're not selling Gabriel I can't imagine that we're going to sign a defender that's just me. It is pretty funny to like can we just stop and laugh at United faffing around trying to get a left back where they're like trying to haggle a 2 million loan fee for Amrabat in midfield if they pay it in 1 million installments. And they're, they're looking at getting Reggion off Spurs. Like, like it could be worse. It could be worse. When they go up against Bayern, their back line is going to be one to keep an eye on because Harry Maguire is looking like he may play for this team again. They're, the back line they start against us is something we'll be talking about later on in this pod. But Clive, it is difficult because the center back market is tough. I would, I would think that another center back would help us, but not a bad center back. Um, a fullback could make sense. We just let one go, but it's hard to find a fullback that plays the way ours do, right? They don't grow on trees. We found a really, really, really excellent one in Timber. And I think by the way, now you can see why Timber was so important because when we do this inverting from the right thing with party, I think Timber was the absolute perfect guy to play off the left in ways that I'm not sure Zinchenko is when party inverts. And so it is a shame we've lost him, but we haven't lost him forever. He comes back next season. So you don't necessarily want to go buy a guy that makes him surplus to requirements, but maybe buy a guy that makes Tommy or Kivi or surplus to requirements, which is harsh, but that's life in a big club, right? So I know you think we need another defender. I would certainly take one. What attributes are you looking for? And is there anybody out there that you think is realistic? Uh, right, let's let's have a little chat on this one, right? So it's, I, was, I was talking I to some people today <laughs> on this online and... It's just, a, it's just a game of simple mathematics. Right? Just a, let's have a discussion. So we've lost Timber, who I think we bought as a right-back, ended up looking really good as left-back. So I class him as a third or fourth defender on the outside of our team. So whether we pay him as a back four, he's a fourth defender pushing on, or he's a third defender sitting in, in some of the games that we've seen. Right. So big miss, because we could use him in so many different ways. And I bet you could, we could slot him into midfield if we, if we wanted to. Right. So... We've lost Kieran Tierney, traditional left back, up and downer, outside of the pitch guy, lost. Right, so 
you're potentially going to lose Cedric. He's not lost. He, yeah, he's in he's Spain. We, we know exactly where he is. We can find him. <laughs> We're potentially going to uh, move on Cedric. I know it's a, it's a real upset for some people, but we are going to have to move him on. We are going to potentially, Rob Holding wants to play. Can't stay here forever. Wants to play. So he's going to come out of the group. So if you're looking at the group, you think yourself, hold on, we're we a few defenders down, right? So, and we deemed it important to buy one. And if those players go out, as I expect them to go out, oh, I didn't mention Nuno, by the way, who should be going out as well. Mm. But suddenly we are moving on a number of... Is that done already? I don't think it's quite done, but to Forest is getting close, right? So Not quite done. So then you have a choice. How do you want to replace the fact that we've lost a player for nine months? For me, I think we can repurpose in the fullback areas. I think we've got White, Tomiyasu, we've got Kivio, we've got Zinchenko, and if we really needed to, we could play Thomas Partey as a true right back. We've seen it already, right? So we know we can repurpose number of fullbacks. My issue is when we lose one of the big two, the dominant centre backs, we are now repurposing White inside. And last time we put, we, there are lots of people, including myself, that really like the, the right pod combination. And I'd like to see that restored. To restore that on a more consistent basis and to give us some cover for the two guys. I know we choose not to play Gabriel, but we choose not to play Gabriel against teams that don't keep the ball. So to, if we lose one of the dominant two centre backs, Gabriel Saliba, I think this team looks weaker. It doesn't look as strong. And it worries me. So I would be buying a right-footed, dominant fallback. A, I will kill you rather than you beat me. Sorry, centre-back. I will kill you rather than you beat me, centre-back. Mm-hmm. Like a Gabriel, with weight, with power, with size. That's what I would do. You know, Because then, what you're doing, you're creating room for Timber to come back in. You're not buying a multifunctional fallback to play someone who's injured. You're repurposing in the fallback areas but you're actually covering a weakness that we genuinely, genuinely have in the centre-back. And we saw what happened last year when we lost our defensive power and certainty. We couldn't even hold our line. We wanted to hold it. You know, so I think that's how I look at the squad. And that's, it's a simple game of maths for me. By losing Tierney, holding Cedric, that's around 250 grand a week in wages. We've got room to bring somebody in. You know, and I think it's really key when the next day we're watching who goes out and where the expenditure is, you know, and who go, and I think it leaves room for a signing in that, in that position for me. Some people say right back and keep White inside. But I really have got one year's good data of seeing White being absolutely brilliant on the outside of our team. And so I would prefer somebody on the inside. That's just how I look at it anyway. Yeah. Look, I mean, we started this transfer window on fire. Rice, Havertz, and Timber. Timber's gone for a year. Havertz was a one-for-one, right? Shaka out, Timber in. Uh, Pardon me, Shaka out, Kai Havertz in. And so really the only addition we've made at this point is Declan Rice. That's a huge addition and a big addition, and it makes a big difference. But players have left. Balogun could have been useful. We couldn't find a role for him. He's gone. You know, Shaka is gone, and and Havertz is, is working to try to understand how to replace him. Paul, I, I feel okay about what we did this summer, but in the cold light of day, we we haven't added a ton. We've strengthened in a few areas. You know, if Havertz really catches on to this position, I think that could be a huge, I still think that could be a huge upgrade for us. Rice clearly is. 
Timber would have been, not our fault that he got injured, but it leaves us in a position where if we're really serious about building something to chase City and now do it on multiple fronts, real fronts, not fronts that we're sort of half trying, half not, I don't know that we've reinforced quite as much as we might have needed to. And where that will feel even truer is if we start letting people go. Emil Smith-Rowe rumored to have interest at Chelsea. We have said absolutely unequivocally not, and I hope that is the case. But certainly you could understand if, if Smith-Rowe felt at this point that it's time to move on, that there may not be a role for him. Um, but, you know, it does look like we're clearing out some pieces that needed to be cleared out. But as you do that, you'd like to layer in a little more quality. I, I am, I don't want to say I'm concerned because I think we are strong. But I do think that a defender could help. I do think we have to be careful about who we let leave now. And certainly either of Gabriel or Smith Rowe going out and no one coming in, I think we'll have people feeling maybe rightly that we didn't really show the ambition this summer that we could have. What's your sort of overall take on outgoings now, especially like Smith Rowe and Gabriel? And and if we will finish this window feeling that we did enough, not just from the money standpoint, but from where our squad is, to feel that we've we can go again on all these fronts. I mean, we can't sell Gabriel. We just can't. Mm. So he's staying. Uh, the window closes in a day or two. I know the Saudi Tomorrow. windows. Tomorrow as we yeah. record this, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Saudi league is open for a couple more weeks. But we, if we if we agreed to sell him, we wouldn't be able to replace him, right? So yeah, we're not, gonna not going to sell him if we haven't brought That's a really important point. When the Premier League window closes... If we haven't bought in a, brought in a center back, we're sure as hell not selling one. Yeah. So from what we know, he ain't gone. So our left center back options are Gabriel and Kivior. Our right center back options are Saliba and Tamiyasu or White. Our right uh, fullback options are uh, White, Tamiyasu, and Party. Uh, I think a lot of us thought Party might leave this summer. It looks like he's staying, and maybe part of that is, if they were thinking about it, maybe part of that was Timber getting injured. They're like, no, actually, we need the options here. We've got three DMs with Party, Rice, and Jorginho. The only area I feel, uh, you've got Tommy Asu who can play anywhere across the back line if he stays fit and if he maintains his confidence. So it's kind of... Unless you disregard those players, unless you've, you've in your mind, put Kivior and Tomiyasu on the scrap heap, we have enough players. The only question mark for me is, who do we have at left center back? Um, if it's a game where you don't want Sinchenko starting or he picks up an injury shocker, that, that's the real vulnerability. Who's going to play left, left full back uh, when you don't have Zinchenko, when you... Uh, need another option on the pitch and you know do you go and buy another uh, left full left full back I, I haven't heard rumors of it I do, I think we're just going to make do but that's that's our big vulnerability and would we buy a left full back knowing timber will be back at the end of the season or at the start of next season that's a you know do do clubs like arsenal do that uh that seems you know, we're in the selling phase of the window. Um, I could, if we, I could see us going at getting a centre back as Clive talks. If there's a young centre back, we could develop, and he 
gave us some flexibility, but I'm not hearing those rumors. Getting a full-on Gabrielle, I just don't think we're, I don't feel we're going to do it. And mm-hmm. I've made my peace with the fact that we have enough options between White and Tomiyasu. Yeah, we will be, I think we'll be going into this season a little light of where I'd like us to be. I, I think we'll need a little luck. We'll need a little good fortune. Good fortune we did not get last season, by the way. If you think about it, we sustained a title challenge for a long time with our biggest star signing of the summer, missing three months with a knee injury. Our best defender missing the last two months of the season with a back injury. You know, we need a more, we're going to need more luck than that. We just, our city had huge luck last season, by and large. Didn't really lose anybody. And they went through the run-in in good, you know, in good form, in good fitness, and they ran riot. And we're going to need a little bit of that luck. And to Paul's point, Clive, I would just say that I'm not sure who we need to sign. I think signing someone would help. But ultimately, if we can't keep the really important pieces fit this season, I don't know that it's going to matter. Like if Saliba and Rice and Martinelli and Saka and Jesus can't stay fit in Odegaard, if we lose someone like that for an extended period of time, I think it's just going to prevent us from achieving our goals. So most clubs, unless you're City, but even City, need some degree of fitness luck, I think, to achieve everything they're aiming for. And I still think that's the boat we're in, you know? Yeah, and um, City played a million games last year and, and went to the very end, and they've already had some struggles, right? So, mm-hmm. And that tends to happen the year after a big year. Great point. Right? So, happened um, to Liverpool. Same yep. thing happened to Liverpool. And yep. it's very important that we, we've been very unfortunate with the, with the Timber one, but um, and obviously Jesus is a, looks like a recurring clean-up job, so... He's going to have the international break to get his legs back, so that would be interesting. So I, I do think Paul's right when he says we have the numbers. We do have the numbers. My, my conversation, defensive numbers. My conversation is really about the profile of those defenders and what happens if certain ones are missing and how we feel, how secure we feel about that. Hence my liking for a right-footed dominant centre back. So that's just a pure numbers game for me, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But what in the front? area of the pitch in front five I think this is where if you look at that slightly differently I think that is a development challenge so we have a number of mm. players in that front five who are to be to be confirmed shall we say and where they sit and fit yeah you've got Trossard we've seen a bit of right and he's done very well since he's come in since January but again he hasn't really got a fixed role but we know he's very very useful you've got Smith Rowe Again, I'm here for the arguments. What is he? Where is he going to play? Where's his talent level? Needs to be developed in. We've got Havertz. Three games in and one skills competition. People are not too sure about him, right? So um, where is he going to play? He's multifunctional, plays left, right, down the center. He's in midfield, he's an eight. They're the sort of players that cause problems to people's opinions, right? Then we had another one, Fabio Vieira. What is he? Is he a left eight? Is he a right winger? Is he a Odegaard takeout? There's four players there that are coaches' development challenge. And if we get them right, you know, and I didn't even include Eddie in that because Eddie, now England cap Eddie, has started to convince people, including myself, about what his role within the group. So, but if I was to add Eddie to that group as well, beyond the three golden Charles that we've grown used to, we have the numbers and they are all got room to improve. All of them. You know, and I think that's where the season's going to be, in that group. And if we can show patience to that group, and we can select them at the right times, 
feed them in at the right times. For me, that's where the season is, right with them. And if they're, and they, they hold our ceiling for me and just shut in the back door, hence my want for a dominant centre-back. I think we'll be fine if we do that. Yeah, and it is interesting. I mean, opinions opinions change so swiftly. There was huge clamor for Troussard to start a game that it was unfair he wasn't starting based on form. He starts a game, he plays a half, no one's calling for him to start anymore. Right? Vieira, get out of my club. Now Vieira needs to start. He's earned it. 35 minutes against Fulham at home. <clears throat> right? In an all-out attack situation. Play, players, Some players are better for certain situations. Some players are, are great in every situation. But at the end of the day, if Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard don't lift their level from what they've been the first three games, we're not going anywhere. Your stars have to show up. They have to show up. And by the way, Saka's already on a couple of goals. One's a worldie. One's a, you know, one's a penalty. Odegaard's already got a goal under his belt. They have to do better. So yeah, we need to stay fit and we need our stars to carry us. I think one of those is Gabriel Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a moment as we preview the Manchester United game. Because I think um, you want an early season existential crisis? Early season existential crisis for either United or Arsenal is coming. It's coming <laughs> about 90-ish, 95 minutes after kickoff on Sunday. Um, but before I tell you that, I'm going to tell you this. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is, is therapy. And therapy is health. Mental health is health. Uh, look, I just can't say it any simpler than this. One of the best things I've ever done for myself to position myself to be a success in the world to the extent that I have accomplished anything is when I made the decision to participate in therapy. Just need to work on some stuff, work through some stuff. And it, it made all the difference in the world. But finding the right therapist is hard. Finding the time to get in the car and drive or, you know, get on the subway or get on the bus or walk to, to an office, finding the, the way to do that, you know, and finding the way to do it in a, in a way that you're comfortable. You know, maybe you're shy, whatever the case may be. I, I think there's an opportunity to, to just do something healthy for yourself with, you know, a real therapist that will work through problems with you, but also not just problems, just maintenance in the same way we we view fit exercise as maintenance or eating right as maintenance. So it's a great time to give it a try. Um, you know, get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Get, visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. Get 10% off, do it now. Now, in addition to that, I want to tell you about Athletic Greens, AG1. The website has changed, so make note of it. Drinkag1.com slash vision. Drinkag1.com slash vision. Energy, recovery, sleep, mental acuity, all your vitamin needs. It is 75 quality, high quality vitamins, minerals, whole whole food sourced superfoods. Easy for me to say. Adaptogens, probiotics, right? It is designed by athletes with athletes in mind. So as I mentioned, great for recovery. Uh, A philanthropic company as well that's uh, given uh, meals to children, uh, just a great, you know, a great way to wipe the the cabinet clear of those gummy vitamins that are all um, sugar, and take something that's keto friendly, paleo friendly, vegan friendly, dairy free, right? Low sugar. I, I I think this one is an easy one. If if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG One and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG One travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/vision. That's drink ag1.com slash vision. And once you've done that, your body's healthy, your mind is healthy, your team needs to be healthy, and your team is healthy by hiring the best talent. And there's only one way to do that. 
The best place to hire, attract, interview, hire, all that in one place is indeed, you know it, I know it, why aren't you doing it? Maybe you're already doing it, but if you're not doing it, why would you spend multiple hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills when Indeed is a a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all with Instant Match, one of my favorites. Over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. So Indeed does the work for you. Shows you candidates with the resume that you're looking for, matches you with quality candidates, and even better, it's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. It's unbelievably powerful, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash bluewiresports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports and support the show by saying you just heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms of supply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Clive! Is that number that? Indeed. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> trading voices. It's like trading places, but with voices. Um, okay. Clive, this, this is, I, I, you know, it is easy to sink into hyperbole, and I, I don't want to sink into hyperbole. But the game we have Sunday is the most important game in the history of the club, and if we don't win it, they should fold the club and burn down the Emirates. I think everyone can agree on that. I'm kidding. But this is one of those tough spots. There's an international break after this game. Confidence was maybe shaken a bit by the way we threw away the points against Fulham. We're still on seven points. Should have been nine. Really should have been. We're not sure the defense is locked locked down airtight. We're not sure the attack has been clicking totally. We're not sure who we are completely yet. People are nervous about this party at right back thing. Why Gabriel isn't playing thing. And here comes Manchester United who are dreadful, absolutely terrible, dreadful. And if you talk to some of their fans, they think they're going to get it. But as a counterattacking side, we know they may have the skills to make us vulnerable. I cannot go into two weeks of having to parse anything other than a big win against this bad United team. So Clive, how big can this be? Is this game to the extent that any game that is the fourth of the season can be a big one? See, I'm afraid I've got experience of many bad United teams coming to us and going away with all the points. So I refuse to go down Remember that Remember old Trafford, though? The bad yeah, United well, teams didn't do much at the end. Trust me. The, trust me. I've done this before. I've convinced myself they're rubbish and they, they just, mm-hmm. that's it. It's, it's, and no doubt they'll bring out their new signings and they'll all be ready and available. And Rashford won't be playing down the middle. We'll be mm-hmm. playing on the left. And then, and then probably play Jaden Sanchez a false nine because they worked out other people can't do it. And they'll, 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 get, they'll, they'll fix themselves for us. You know what I mean? They'll get it. They'll get it to the best version of themselves, right? But apart from that, I, I'm not really a fan of them, and I don't think they're building a good enough squad. And I do think the manager is slightly overrated. And I do think he only buys from one league of any sort of confidence. And I don't think he's going to sustain them over the short or medium term. So I think he's in a bit of trouble. Their ownership's in a bit of trouble. They've got no money, and their ground is falling down. Their training ground is 20 years behind everybody else's. So apart from that, they're tip top, right? So you can, you can. <laughs> So they're not on the right path. They're not on the right path. And, and we are on the right path. But it's very important that I, I'm. It's very important that we stay together as we try to progress forward. I think this game is big. I don't want the international break to be <laughs> the, the crisis podcast, Elliot. I just can't. I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take it for this early in the season. But it is important that we we show the best version of ourselves. 
You know, and I think it's a huge opportunity for us, and it should be seen as one, an opportunity to do something similar to what we did last year and just maybe look like ourselves a little bit more. And it's not about reversion. It's just about picking a team that's balanced for a, for a top-level club, which they are. I don't think you should be taking the mickey, right? So you should be making sure you've got your strongest unit out there. And if people get a bit upset, they get upset. We have to realise now that our players' the reputations are building, apart from Ben White, who so can't get in the England squad. Our reputations are building. Our players will be used a lot more internationally. And so it's going to be a challenge for us going forward the amount of games these players are going to play. I'm already worried about it. I already am. You know, Zach has played, what, 80-odd games for us in a row? And we, we really do need to incorporate the squad sooner rather than better and then later. Really do. And start to make some big decisions and get comfortable with them. But come Sunday... That team sheet comes out, we'll all be looking, won't we? With real keen eyes about how we're going to line that. It's yep. going to tell us a lot, you know? And um, and so it needs to be something close, akin to what we think is our most secure unit, offensively and defensively. And I think that's what I'm looking for on Sunday. Yeah, well said, Clive. I, I do think that we resist the urge to ever say that a game is really important, really big, a must-win. We resist that urge because, first of all, we, we want to avoid hyperbole, but also we don't want to say something is a must-win because, God forbid, we don't, then we have to admit that there were repercussions for not winning it. I don't think we should be scared of sometimes saying a game is important. I don't think this is a very good United team. And I think we think we can win a title. And so along the way, if you think you can win a title and a mediocre United comes to the Emirates, you should feel okay saying we should win this game. And I do feel we should. Because you know what? We're going to have to take points off Manchester City if we want to win a title. So United coming to the Emirates shouldn't scare us. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take it seriously. You can't be professional. You can't set up in a way to be safe and still attack. Things can still go against you. You can get a penalty given because it is United after all. You can get a man sent off because it is United after all. But you, you know, by and large, Paul... I feel okay saying this is a big game that we have to win. So um, I know you're going to be leaving us for a minute and Clive and I are going to take it the rest of the way, but I just want to get your take on the importance of showing who we are after three different kinds of performances against weaker teams in the league and maybe really establishing going into the, in, into the international break that we are serious. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Um, this is a big game. We should go into this feeling we won't be feeling confident but we should have been going into this game feeling confident we need to uh reacquire that confidence going into this game we need um you know we need to address getting Gabriel Magliash back into the team if we don't have that i think it's going to feel like a a nervy sort of a game and unnecessarily so um, we need to resist the first thing as soon as you tell me about the United game my first question and my only question is is Gabriel playing or is he not because scenario A we've got Gabriel back in everybody will breathe relax we're at the Emirates the crowd will get behind it uh, we'll put out a solid team uh, we go for a little surety Declan Rice uh, some known knowns we look to start fast with a strong back four behind them make sure we can attack with confidence and reset the energy we've had in the start of the season to an intense pressured go at them and 
then we settle into our game state and professionalism and managing it and have Gabrielle and Saliba and White covering anything that comes at us as they counterattack us. And for me, there's two very binary discussions. Do we have Gabrielle? If we don't have Gabrielle, we're like, that's a whole other conversation. We're going to be nervy and it's going to be a nervy crowd and it's going to be a nervy team and United are going to feel there's something in it for them if they can get at us. My only other thought on it is this is going to be a game of 65, 70 minutes and 25 minutes at the end. I mean, it could be 30 minutes with with added time. And so there's going to be two parts to this game. What we do, whether we're ahead or tied or behind after 70 minutes, who we bring on, how we manage that game. And this is going to be clearer against United than it has been maybe uh, against our in the first previous game. So who starts and who comes off the bench? Like, it's not all starters and subs. Now, this game will be about finishers, about closers, uh, and we shouldn't be quite so hung up on whether Havertz starts or not, whether Trossard starts or not. Doesn't matter in a game like this. Uh, if you're playing 27 Fulhams in a row, those players will look at it as, am I in the team or am I not in the team? But when you're playing United, you're going to have a really important rule, uh, role whether you come on for 20 minutes or whether you come on for the 70 minutes. Those are my mm. reflections on the game. And with that, we'll say goodbye to Paul, who's on Twitter. Pause my pants for now. Uh, so, Paul, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Woohoo! Okay. He is going to mute and turn off his camera so that we can continue to record as we have been. Clive, as is always the case, the lineup is going to be uh, a consideration. You can definitely turn off your, your camera, too, Paul. You know, here, I can do that. There we go. Oh, no, he turned it back on. <laughs> we clicked it at the same time. That's pretty funny. There we go. Uh, Clive, the, the, the lineup is going to be a big talking point, <clears throat> but I think more now than maybe ever, because it's not just the players he picks, but the system he chooses. There'll be people that think Vieira deserves to start off the back of 35 good minutes. People who are fed up with Kai Havertz, who I actually think has been pretty wrongly maligned. Although I, I I'm not going to go so far as to say he was great against Fulham. Um, I think Eddie and Ketty has just been called up to the England team, which is a absolutely phenomenal reward for tremendous effort and improvement and, and form. Uh, couldn't be happier for him. Still think if Gabriel Jesus is fit to start, you want your, you know, your first choice guy out there if possible. And then there's the whole issue of Thomas Party. Will he play that right back thing again with only one center back? Or will he try to firm up those wide spaces where United are going to try to hit us on the counter by going back to what we regard as the the first choice back four from last season. So a lot of questions there. Do you have any answers? Yeah, a, a lot of questions. And it's up to a, what I look for in these things is not so much who's playing, but the balance of players, you know? And um, mm. and when we, and Paul, I thought Paul spoke really well just then about Gabriel not playing. And I think his um, dominant personality next to a playmaking dominant defender in Saliba, the balance is just really really nice you know and um and we can see those dominant players you got Odegaard who's a a ball dominant playmaker right we can see him guy on the other side who's not so dominant a little bit more deferent in Havertz a little bit more off the ball we don't see him so well and then we focus on what on what you know his last action his last touch his last pass you know and so the ball dominant players get the most touches we can judge them really really easily 
And I think sometimes Vieira suffer for that in also. You have these dominant personalities versus non-dominant personalities. Declan Rice, dominant personality. Thomas Party, dominant. We can see him. Right, so Rice, we can see he's he's demanding. He wants the ball. He plays with accelerations. Easy to see. Can't miss him. Pointing people where it stands. They've been there two yep. minutes, right? And um, look, you know, he's grinding confidence in his passing range. Oh, we can't miss him. Do you see what I mean? And um, and so I think it's not every team can have eleven dominant players. You know, but I do think for me, with the way I look at football, I'm a bit more of a pragmatist. I like to see my team at the back door shut. I don't like to see people running through, running through me house and sticking it where they want to put it. Right? I don't like that. And I like, I don't like it. I don't like a set piece taking us out. That doesn't give me any sort of comfort. So I, 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 I totally agree, with Paul. What he said there about Gabriel being there for this game, and I think it's also important that we allow ourselves to analyze people that are slightly less dominant in their personality to the ones who are dominating their personality and give those guys a bit more time to settle and so we can see what they can produce. You know, and I think you tend to have people that work in a slightly different way. And if it all worked the same way, you wouldn't have balance. You know, and I think that's a key thing for us to get used to, right? So we are incorporating people with different playing personalities next to people that we really, really like and have got used to. And I'm learning about them. I don't know them enough yet to to kill them. And close the door on them, right? So I'm I'm learning about them. I can see things that need to happen around Havertz. Maybe a little bit more acceleration. Maybe a little bit more decisive movement, so your players can see you. And then the players need to trust him a little bit more when he moves. Give it to him. Maybe I'd say to him, run, just run a bit more. I know you don't run the most k's of anybody in our team, but maybe just cut an angle and run a bit more, so your body shape demands it. So, can't, so you can't be missed. You know. So it's all about setting in the the personalities that we have, to the new big personalities that come in with big price tags or big dominant personalities. You know, Manchester City are the best team in the world. And when we went to the Etihad, they had no ego, Clive. You know what they did? They let us have the ball. Because they said, then we're just going to bypass your midfield. We're going to go to Kevin De Bruyne, who's intelligent at picking up space behind your midfielders, and he's going to play in Holland, and we're going to kill you. And they did. Time and time and time again. Manchester United do not have a midfield right now. They don't know how to set up their midfield, and they do not have a back four that can run back towards their goal, have any comfort level defending in space. They played three games, and I, I mean, they might as well have been doing wind sprints back towards their goal all game. The Wolves game, I've never seen anything like it. Dribble one guy, and away you go. I just wonder... If we push United back with our typical structure in our form and have all of the ball in the final third, are we going to find ourselves moaning that we outplayed them when we lost 2-1 to two counterattacking goals? Is there a world here, Clive, where what you want is Martinelli and Saka and Odegaard and Jesus or Nketiah running through that cavernous United midfield at that very uncertain back four? Yeah. And Onana trying to come out and, and do whatever the hell he could. I mean, I, I'm not sure we have a way of playing that way. I just sort of feel like this would be a good opportunity to use that sort of, I never remember which martial art it is, <laughs> you know, where you use their momentum against you, you know, to to hit them in the way they are most vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, yeah, that's one matter I think, obviously, Varane not being there is a, is a blow for them, you know, a big blow. He's their, he's their main totem pole in, in that defense. Martin, and Shaw? 
you know? Luke Shaw, I think he's an excellent player. And um, mm. But again, his fitness has laid him down. Someone's played a lot of matches. His fitness laid him down. They've got a problem there. They're looking at uh, Sergei Reguilon to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always got one big game in him, but after that, let's see what happens. Ramasak is fine on one-on-ones and straight balls, but when you start crossing the ball, he stands still and freezes. So you can get around people. You can, we can get around them. I just, I think it's important to establish ourselves a separation away from them, you know, and really put our marker down because we have a, we have problems going through travel. They haven't been beaten for thirty odd games at home. And you look at his team and wonder how that's happened, but it's true. It has a they have a they have much more confidence at home. When they come to our place, we've got to deal with them. We absolutely do, and I think, I think we will. I genuinely think we will. I think we need this game to focus us. Yeah, uh, I, I just think there's a lack of. Well, I, I said on the IRA that for a couple of weeks back, I said, I love the tactical diversity of this team, but if you don't get the result, tactical diversity can easily become tactical confusion. You know, and mm. then we look at it slightly differently. When I when we win against Forest and and we win and I see Ben White and Party rotating and I see the centre forwards moving around, it all looks great when you got the result. We don't get the result, you say, well, Do you know what they're doing? You get back to our normal shape, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot for us to absorb, myself included, a lot for us to to take in. We yearn for normalcy, we learn for tradition. We <laughs> there are moments in that game when we were one nil down against Fulham. I'm thinking, mate, we should have Kirantini overlapping here now. Do you see what I mean? We need somebody else to join this attack who can go through them. And your mind does that to you. When someone's not there, they become a better player. You know, and uh, that's what generally happens if you're not getting a result. So we have to think about this season. Was it three or 55? And the Champions League draw just just Mm. dropped. And I didn't realize that those games fall in front of some big games, big emotional games. So yeah, we got a lot to go through yet, and it's going to be a big new season for us with new challenges. A, a big, big decision point is whether or not to start Gabriel Jesus in this game. If you don't, you get two more weeks to get him fit and firing him fresh. And <clears throat> you know, if you do, maybe he's not quite ready and he doesn't look up to it, and you pick the wrong game. As good as Eddie's been, you could just go to Eddie. But at his best, you know, Eddie is is not as is not Gabriel Jesus. You know, I said this about Different. Eddie on Twitter or, or on X or whatever, and I, I want to say this again. First of all, I could not be happier for him. I think for him to get this reward, this England call-up, is an incredible achievement from where he's been at times in his young career. And I think it is a recognition of the hard work he's put in and the results of that hard work. You know, what makes Eddie unusual is, I think when you have an academy player who regards himself as pretty talented and is probably pretty talented but who by 23 or 24 hasn't really broken into his club that raised him, usually they've moved. Usually by that point, they've moved to find a place where they can play more. And Fuller and Balogun's off to go do that now. Eddie is 24. You know, his maximum minutes ever in a Premier League season is 1,000 with nine starts. His maximum goal return in a Premier League season is five. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that to kill him. I'm saying he's in that weird gray zone where there's clearly a player in there. And I think usually... At this stage of their career, they move on to go show what they really have in there. Both, you know, they're the club that raised them and the player decide that's what's best. Eddie backed himself. He took a good contract, to be fair, to stay at Arsenal and fight for an opportunity. And he's done really well with the opportunities he's been given. And that makes him hard to evaluate because somewhere between good enough squad player, but maybe not quite the guy you want starting for Arsenal week in, week out, is a gray zone. 
And he's in yep. that gray zone for me. So Clive, I would, I would still be looking to start Gabriel Jesus, but unlike in seasons past, I will not be worried if Eddie's starting. Does that make sense? I, I, I'd it like does. to see it be Jesus in the well, big game, but I wouldn't be worried if it's Eddie. This is where the club has shown some foresight because that contract when you're just being kicked out of the Europa League looks a bit heavy. When you're Champions League Cup, that mm-hmm. contract looks really, really smart. Smart foresight thinking. Mm-hmm. Very smart. I think the reason why, you know, I have critiqued Eddie's certain aspects of his game around retaining the ball when it comes into him, etc., and just being ready for it. I've been very specific around where I've critiqued him. It doesn't mean I never, for one minute, doesn't think he's good enough to play for Arsenal. But I, I, I do think you have to recognise when someone's really improving. If you look at pictures of Eddie two, three years ago, he doesn't look like he does today. His physical transformation has been unbelievable. He's done that to make himself more robust against centre-backs. I said at the weekend earlier, he looks bigger than Jesus right now. More of a physical animal than Jesus. We know Jesus is a killer trickster, can break your ankles on the dribble, and he's a bit more explosive, so say acceleration, when he's fit. But Eddie right now looks strong. Looks very strong. For someone who's prepared to do that, who's prepared to learn the technical side of the games, his back-to-goal play has really improved. Touch, touch, around the corner, he's off, he's carrying, he's going for your heart. He's done that. He's improved that. So I've, I always respect players who want to develop themselves and are prepared to put the extra work in and, and, and stick around and fight through and keep the level of motivation that high to succeed. Massive respect to him. I'll tell you why I respect him. Because we spent £72 million on a, on a right winger. £72 million, and he's lost two stones since, since we signed him. He hasn't improved physically. He hasn't improved technically. He's lost his motivation very, very quickly. And he hasn't got that sustained ability to stay at the top level. And so now we're going to potentially have to give him away. So I take 10 eddies over him with the right attitude, with the right ability to try to stay here and try to play for this club. I mean, that sort of mentality is exactly what you want. And that's why the coaches love him. He's prepared to improve. On occasions, I think we lack a bit of fluidity when he plays. So what? We just spent 60 million quid on a on a player that people d- can't work out. Do you see what I mean? And so, <laughs> For better or worse, yeah. But it's true, though. This is going to happen. Players are going to evolve in front of you, and sometimes teams come towards you. Just tactically, they come towards you. Reese Nelson, a few years ago, I'm thinking, you're, you're not going to make it. Then I see how we have our wide men on the extremities, and Reese is a really good... He takes the ball on really well and he can take his man on on the outside. The team has come towards him on that left-hand flank and he's a true live option there. You know, so that's happened. Eddie's stuck around. He's got his role and the club would give him his role and he's been prioritised contract-wise and now the England manager finally has given him a chance probably because of all of the trips he made for the under-21s team to become the under-21s record scorer. And England think, you know what, if you put that work in, we should at least look at you in the senior at the senior team. That's what they've done. So fair play to Southgate on that aspect. There are many other things I've I've got an issue with Southgate on, but that's another podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is another pod, <laughs> and I don't have a lot of standing for for that pod to be fair. But I I tend to agree with you. Look, I I think when you buy a player like Gabriel Jesus, in part you buy them to be a difference maker in games like this. If he's fit, I'm starting him. You know, it just, that's it. As good as Eddie has been, 
You know, we could talk about meritocracy. People were talking about meritocracy with Leandro Trissard, and we started him against Fulham, and it did not work. I would start Gabriel Jesus. Because I think what Gabriel Jesus can do also that we don't have anyone else in the front in our as at that sort of striker central position doing. Gabriel Jesus can trick his way past a guy. And suddenly the defense is in shambles. And we have got to start pulling defenses out of shape a little bit more. It's crazy to me with with City. You think a City is having this incredible system. Oh, their system, their system. Pep ball, you know, joke de position, you know, tiki-taka, it's pep ball. It's crazy how many of their goals come from one guy beating one guy off the dribble and cutting it back or something like that. One individual guy beating his man to create a numerical advantage. And I think Jesus gives us that in a way that we we don't get as much without him. And, and sometimes, Clive, that happens not even in the attacking third, in the middle third. Where, yeah. he, you know, you talk about Eddie being stronger, but the one thing Jesus has, and we've seen this, when he comes to recover a long ball or get the ball in that middle third, the way he holds guys off and the fouls he wins and the way he turns players against this vulnerable United midfield, like, I think that's a big leverage point we'd want to exploit. Yeah, I think, you know, the Fulham game really sort of hit me, actually. And um, Forrest did a version of it as well. And and what teams are now doing, um, and we are falling for a little bit, is they're blocking the central areas. So they're, they're starting with three narrow up front, and they're giving you the outside pass. So Saka's getting 100,000 passes a game, right? So, And they're stopping you playing inside and through, right? So you have to circulate around the horseshoe, and they're stopping you going inside and through. So he's putting the onus on having carriers. I think it's so interesting City's two signings of Doku and Nunes. They are both known for their carrying. They're both known for trans- transferring through the thirds in Nunes, and Doku's a one-on-one killer. We've got two one-on-one killers on the outside, So we're, and Jesus is another one. So we don't let carriers in forward areas. But we we do need some of those forwards sometimes to roll in and to be able to receive it in tight spaces. So funny enough, the situation, you have, a, you have a decision with the press, go around, go through, or go over. Havertz is the go-over guy, right? That's what he does. But Fabio Vieira and Odegaard, they're the, and Jesus, they're the through. They're the guys that can receive it in a phone box in the interior and play in the block and keep it, or roll outside of the block and carry people out there. And suddenly, the team is moving towards those players. The team is moving towards Vieira, to what other teams are now doing. They're saying, go on then, Arsenal. Go out on the outside. We'll get two men out there as the ball goes there. So all these big switches look great. But if you don't fast support like Vieira did on the penalty, it doesn't matter. You're still in the one against versus two. right? So you've got to get the fast support as the ball's being switched, roll around the corner, overlap, overload, underlap, get your cut back. That's how we got to play. That's Fabio Vieira. That's, that maybe it's not Havertz at the speed yet. But when you, when you go over the press like did against City, Havertz becomes that guy that we really want. right? So... It's going to be so interesting what we choose to do, but people are blocking out of that centre, and we can't just keep going on the outside. But with Zinchenko back and Odegaard back, Jesus coming back, Eddie can do it now. Though I give him his, I give him his flowers. Right, he can do it much better than he used to. Retaining the in the tulips and keep it and move it, make a good decision to go outside again. When those players are back at the base of our team, that we can control that central area and play into it and then go out and then we scatter people we scatter the block when we can do that we're back we're back and sunday's a good Mm. chance to see where we are yeah i i think profiles make teams and 
like it's interesting because Troussard is a creator from Central Spaces, but he he's not going to win duels against center backs. He sometimes gets lost in the crowd in there. He's struggled to really find a way to get involved in the Central Spaces against Fulham. And in fact, his best involvement, right, is across from the left wing onto the head of Bukayo Saka that should yeah. have been scored. Should, I mean, we, should we be fair to Trossard, Elliot? Because we watched the rewatch this week, didn't we? And he took a big bang in his back, didn't he? Remember in that game? And yeah. he had yeah. a couple of dodgy touches, and he wasn't as quite as prominent as he normally is. But I, I don't think he was as bad as as maybe what we thought on first watch. You see what I mean? I just think he just got lost a little bit. in absent. There. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, I think he, he struggled he, to find where to be. Sorry, mate, we can't over each other. I think he's yeah. rolling. He, We asked him to roll out. We asked Havertz to roll in mm-hmm. and run through. Mm-hmm. Ben White tried to find Havertz. Didn't quite happen. Remember that one chance? Everyone said, oh, what great yep. rotation. And Trossard rolls out, puts across for Saka, as you said. Saka doesn't quite head it in, so Trossard doesn't get his assist. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was far away. But like everything so far in these three games, it hasn't quite happened, has it? Yeah, and that's all been in the final third. You know, it just needs to click there. But but my point was sort of, he's a central creator who maybe sometimes struggles to to be able to be available in those zones, you know, when, when there's a lot of compactness in the defense there. Then you have Eddie, who's a central scorer, who wants to run off the shoulder, make hurtful runs, get on the end and lash it into the back of the net, which, oh, by the way, that's a nice quality to have. I think what makes Jesus so special for us is he's both. He is a central creator who can bang bodies in the middle and win 50-50s and play in his teammates and can also make that little hurtful two yards of space run and get on the end of things. Now, I, I don't think he's as good a finisher as Eddie, to be fair, but I think he'll finish enough of them. He also has something that I'm not sure Eddie has. Trissard maybe has it a bit, but which is Jesus does have it in his locker to pull out the spectacular. You know, a, a little bit. There's just that little bit of extra class. I think it was against Leicester last season. We saw it, right? He cuts on his right and sort of chips the keeper from inside the box um, in the home game. We haven't seen it in a while, to be fair. But so I just think his collection of skills is a little bit of what we get from Chassard when he plays and a little bit of what we get from Eddie. And you get a little bit of both. And yeah. so, I, you know, I like that. And maybe that's better for a Havertz who needs needs someone to play him in you know, instead of vice versa. So I'd like to see him play. I mean, look, ultimately, whoever starts doesn't have to finish the game. You can make changes in-game. Give me your final thoughts on on just how you see this game playing out. I mean, Hoiberg, Hoiberg, is that I think I say it? Ho- uh, sorry, Hoyland. Hoiberg mm-hmm. is another guy they're trying to sign. Or is it Liverpool? Um, Ho- Hoyland mm-hmm. maybe Liverpool is going to be in the squad, apparently, for this game. Just bought Graven Birch. Graven Birch from yeah. yeah. And Hoiberg is the Spurs guy, and they, they looked at him. I'm not sure if they're going to go for him. Mm-hmm. That's Man United going to look at him anyway. United, yeah, yeah. But Hoyland might play in this game. I mean, that does change them a bit. It gives them a proper striker. It allows Rashford to move out wide. That will make it harder, and Hoyland has the power and the speed that, you know, some people think of him as like a mini Holland. It will make it tougher. He hasn't played it all, so we'll have to see how fresh he is. I still think, Clive, the game for me boils down to two things. Being more clinical with how we execute in the final third and making sure that we have those wide areas covered better on counterattacks so it's not as easy to exploit us the way teams like a Liverpool, for example, are getting exploited uh, in the wide areas counterattacking. Is that how you see it? Yeah, we just got we just got to sharpen up, mate. We just got to sharpen up. Again, mm-hmm. just sharpen up our passing. Play at a slightly better tempo like we did in the 20 minutes when we, we scored the two goals. Sharpen up. And we'll be sharp against Manchester United because the we demand it, right? Everyone demands it of each other. So we need to sharpen up. Jesus, I, I hear what you're saying, Jesus, and no one's going to disagree with you. We need to be fit first. 
right? Otherwise, he's, he's, he doesn't do anything, right? So, so if he's fit enough, he'll play. You know, if he's not fit enough, he's got a chance to get fit over the next two weeks, get properly fit and really work hard and come back into the meat of the season when we are playing every three days. So it's more very important he's available for those games where he can make choices and we can build up his match fitness, shall we say. I'm not worried. I, I, the structure at the back, you know, we, we all want to see the same thing at the back there. We can name that back four, you know, and um, and in midfield, I'm open. If party plays, Rice plays, Havertz plays, I don't mind. But as long as that structure's there for me and, and the base of our box is there, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And the front three, the two the two kids will play on the outside. It might be Eddie playing centre forward. It might be Jesus, or it could be Havertz. It, it doesn't worry me neither. But I think structurally, I think it's very important that we have our combinations and our pods back together again. Ben White in the right space for this day, a home day, an attacking day. I think that makes a lot of sense. And Chinchenko back in to start the game will give us a level of control at the base of our team, which I think we've missed on that left-hand side because we haven't really seen the left-hand side really, really shine in any sort of combination way. So yeah, all to come. Very exciting times ahead. One more signing, please, yeah, in totally defence, and we'll be happy. <laughs> totally agree. And I mean, I know we already covered it, but do you agree that it feels turning point-ish in the sense that we've been pretty good? If we can play well and win this, we start to feel like we're hitting escape velocity going into that international break and our season is set up well. If we don't, it will feel like a stuttering start that will lead to two very difficult soul searching weeks, or or do you just find that binary too too cut and dried? No, yeah, it will. If we don't get the result we need, it's gonna it's gonna last a few questions. If we don't, and that's just the nature of football, right? And we're quite in our rights to question things. And um, I'd like to see us stay together a little bit more, but that's just me. I'm a softy. But um, but hey, look, it's it's gonna happen. But. I feel pretty okay about this game, as long as we approach it correctly. And um, at the moment in time, I'm a little bit concerned that some of the things that we wanted to learn from last season, particularly the City game, for example, I think we've learned it. It's important that we don't maybe overcompensate some of the things that we've learned and just know when to switch back to... I don't want to say switch back, but now we're getting people back who weren't fit at the start of the year Maybe we're going to see a little bit more normal Arsenal team, shall we say? Mm, yeah, I, I. It's funny because I, I we'll 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 cut this off because I I can just keep going back and forth and back and forth on how I feel about this. But I feel like I believe the party at right back thing has worked in quotes more than many people do in terms of how dominant we've been in games and how much great attacking position we've been able to take up and how much territory we've been able to occupy. But I totally recognize that we have shipped some stupid goals that we really need to eliminate. The, the individual errors, first and foremost, have to go. Let's not develop a reputation for being the team that if you just let them, they'll shoot themselves in the foot. Let's not be that team. I would also like to see that if we do get a lead against United, let's be the team that tries to turn 1-0 into 2-0 and 2-0 into 3-0 and 3-0 into 4-0 in an intelligent way, right? Not a reckless way, but not the team that we were against Fulham where we turned 2-1 into 10 minutes of lazy non-dominance that, that got punished. So that'll be interesting to see how we manage yeah. game states. Clive, I think we can leave it there unless you have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, I let's just see how the team sets up, but... You know, for the Thomas Party right back thing, I do. I think it has. I think it has worked up to a point. You know, I don't think it's anything to do. Maybe the first goal potentially at the weekend had something to do with the system. 
apart from that, we've played quite well, if not quite at our top game. Let's not mess about. Football's a simple game. It's about matchups. And I think Thomas Pye has got really great skills. But I don't want to see him playing against Marcus Rashford. I'm sorry. He's a 30-year-old centre mid. And that can play right back. That's a skill in itself. But let's not put him up against one of the fastest forwards in the country. Does not make sense? Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would be happy not doing that as well. <laughs> as well. Okay, we'll leave there. Thank you very much. My name is Alex Vidigabak, Bachman on Twitter. Going to have a deadline day episode over on Patreon tomorrow, maybe a live stream, but I just I just don't know there's going to be enough energy and excitement around it to, to bother with that. It would just be us sitting there waffling, and we do enough of that as it is. So uh, join us over on Patreon if you want. Otherwise, stay here. Vote for us in the FCAs. Otherwise, don't. Basically, we just love you, and we hope you're doing well. And uh, yeah, I'm already nervous, but very, very excited for the opportunity on Sunday to maybe, maybe just show who we really are and, and put a marker down. Could be a very exciting day. And uh, that's what I'm expecting. So we love you. For the love of God, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, United Nil. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.